Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credit. Every other week, opposite the main Hey YA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author or a look at excellent backlist YA books for your TBR. My name is Kelly Jensen. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with Krista Maldonado, author of the forthcoming debut, Fat Chance Charlie Vega, out February 2nd, which is Groundhog's Day. And if you know anything, that's my favorite holiday of the year. And we are going to talk about a really conversation-worthy YA book that stars an outspoken fat girl. But before diving into that, Crystal, will you tell everybody about who you are and about your awesome book? Yes, I would love to. Hi, I am literally so excited to be here. <laughs> so I am Crystal Maldonado, as you've said, Kelly. Um, I'm a <laughs> young adult author living in Western Mass. By day, I work in higher ed social media marketing. Um, and by night, I try to write, which like, good luck. Um, so Fat Chance Charlie Vega is the story of a 16-year-old fat Puerto Rican girl named Charlie. She loves to write and she loves love and really yearns for it. <laughs> she has this amazing best friend named Amelia. Um, and they're very, very close, though Charlie sometimes harbors some like jealous feelings towards her because Amelia, <laughs> as she sees it, is totally perfect and so skinny. It's not fair. And then she has kind of a troubled relationship with her mom, who was once fat and is now thin. And then on Charlie's quest for love, she meets this guy, Brian, who she thinks is just this most amazing, wonderful person. Um, but things sort of go sideways when she finds out that Brian asked out her best friend Amelia first and, you know, cue the drama <laughs> and all the feelings. <laughs> um, so the book really deals with like family issues and best friends and first loves and then our relationships to our body and kind of our journey to self-acceptance. And it comes out February 2nd, 2021. I had a chance to read this before we recorded and I loved it. This was so oh. like, and I, I hate putting it this way, but listeners will understand what I say when I say this. It's it's a really like low stakes, quiet YA book, but those low stakes are from the vantage point of like, she's not trying to save the world and instead yeah. like really wrestling with day-to-day -day life stuff, which for her is huge. But as readers, we see it in a little bit of a different different perspective. And yet she's so... I think, relatable with the challenges that she struggles with. And we'll talk a little bit about it as we go through talking about this book we're going to talk about because there's some interesting parallels <laughs> that are going on. So first, let's hit our sponsor, which is TBR. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for or are you running out of time to shop at all? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes, which you can schedule to show up in your loved one's inbox on whatever day you like. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. 
When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $16, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. So the book we're going to talk about today is from the very end of 2007, which to think that that was 13 years ago is so hard. In my- oh, it's like, yeah, <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> it is. And like, I'm like, oh, teenagers were born when this book came out. You know, no big, no big deal at all. <laughs> Fine. It's Susan Vaught's My Big Fan Manifesto. Crystal and I wanted to talk about a book featuring a fat girl since it's of interest to both of us. And I remembered how much I love this one when I first read it. I probably read it a couple years after it came out. And I was so nervous as I was rereading it going, oh, I hope it lives up to even like half of what I remember it to be. And um, good news, I still really like it. And (laughs) I think like all books that came out at that time, it's got some dated language, but surprisingly, nothing especially problematic. And I think some of the stuff that Vought does in this book was pretty impressive and really progressive for the time that it was published. I totally agree. I was like pleasantly surprised rereading this. So I had also read this, I don't know, sometime around when it came out. I don't know exactly (laughs) when, but I remember like just being so excited that there was a fat main character and that like they used the word fat. And Mm -hmm. at the time that felt so scandalous to me. (laughs) Like I hadn't, Yeah. yeah, like I hadn't yet embraced that term to like describe myself. I think I was still just like, thinking about it, but like not using it yet. Mm -hmm. And so this was, I don't know, it just felt groundbreaking to me. I was like, oh my God, a fat girl who calls herself fat. This is so cool. (laughs) A fat girl who calls herself fat and doesn't hate herself. Like that was what was revolutionary to me because so many of the stories that I had been exposed to both in print and visually were about, and we still see this so much, about the fat girl who won't be happy until she loses weight, until she finds that skinny girl who's inside. And it's like, I never had that experience growing up fat. Like, I wanted a book that would make me feel good about the way I am right now, rather than feeling like I need to change who I am to like love myself. And it was probably about that time because I just graduated college in Mm -hmm. um, 2007. So one that ages me, but two, (laughs) um, (laughs) I think that was about the time I was really starting to understand that. And so picking this up and seeing it was like, whoa, this is awesome. Do you want to give a short description or take some time if you like to kind of give the general plot of the book? Sure. Um, Okay. So it's about this amazing girl named Jamie. (laughs) Um, She's a senior in her high school and she's kind of doing, I feel like a lot all at once. Like Mm -hmm. she's, into theater and she's going to be in um, their her high school's version of The Wiz. And she's like this amazing columnist for her newspaper. And like, she's got this great group of friends and she's got this boyfriend. And she's just like, I don't know, she is a girl I admire. Like, I wish I had it all together the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she's trying to win a scholarship to college, which I feel is like very relatable Mm -hmm. by writing this newspaper column. And then you know, she's fat and her boyfriend is also fat. Um, And then 
at the beginning of the book, they just kind of drop this bombshell that her boyfriend Burke is going to get weight loss surgery. And that sort of throws everything up into the air. Mm-hmm. And we get to see her whole journey of dealing with that and what what does that look like and how does she navigate it as he's changing. It's, I don't know, I totally loved it. <laughs> I hope I did yeah. okay with describing <laughs> what it's about. Totally. Yeah, so this newspaper column that she writes is the first thing in each chapter. So we get to see what she's writing about. And she's writing these big pieces about fat positivity. And I'm going to say fat positivity here because it's not body positivity. It's a lot more specific than that. And her voice in those pieces is so wonderful. And I don't want to say brave because it's just her truth, but it's bold. And the sort of thing that you wouldn't expect like a high schooler to be writing about in their high school newspaper and having the like backing of her editor to continue publishing these like really outspoken pieces that are like, yeah, I'm fat. It's okay. And also, why do people treat me different? Because I'm okay with that. Right. It was, yeah, she, her voice was so incredible. And it actually kind of reminded me of like, I was a huge fan of Lindy West, and I still am. When she was writing for Jezebel, I like followed her stuff religiously. And it just reminded me a lot of like, her writing where it's just like, funny, but also so truthful and like emotional and heartfelt. And you just, I don't know, it like makes you root. It makes you root for the person so hard, right? <laughs> yeah, and I really was. And it was, I think when I first read this book and the thing that stuck with me was she is very self-confident and very mm-hmm. like positive about who she is. But I think like anybody who grows up in a world where you're inundated with what an ideal image is, that stuff still sinks in like even on the unconscious level. And you see her wrestling with it. She talks about she can't eat food in front of other people. So she doesn't eat all day. But it's not because she's trying to starve herself. It's because she has in her head this image of what it is to be a fat girl who eats in front of people and the messages that come with that. So she like internally, you see her, I don't want to say like falling victim because she's not, but you're seeing like, Wow, she's this confident person, and yet these still mess these messages still penetrate pretty deeply. Absolutely, and I felt like a lot of that resonated with how I felt about myself in high school too. Like, just you try, you're grappling so hard with like just trying to like be a person and figure out how to live mm-hmm. life, but then when you're also fat, there's this like outside pressure that no matter how hard you try to shrug it off or you know, not give any weight, haha, to it. <laughs> you, you like internalize it a little bit. And sometimes it's not even for your own benefit. So like, it feels like I'm like what Jamie's doing by not eating. She it's almost like she feels like she's doing this for other people. So like, they don't have to see a fat girl eating in a way. Mm-hmm. Even though they support her, like she's got these two best friends who are super supportive. One is a girl who is really thin. Um, I think that's like her big, I don't want to say personality trait, but that's her defining feature in Jamie's mind. Yeah. And then she has her friend who is queer. And I'm going to call her queer because we aren't like told directly what her identity is, but we know she dates girls many times throughout the book. And so... It's so cool to watch the three of them sort of in action. And yet, while her friends are super supportive of her, they also sort of push back on some of the things she says in a way that's like, hey, we support you, but like we have issues too. Like it's not easy for us either. 
Yeah, I really liked that. And I do think sometimes you get so in your own head about whatever issue it is. Like for me, it would be me being fat, but for someone else, it might be another issue that we like forget other people, <laughs> like have their own stuff uh-huh. going on. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And I think that that ties in so nicely to Burke and the role he plays in this story. So we don't know Jamie's ethnicity in the book. It's not stated specifically. So I'm under the assumption she's white, but I could be wrong here. I came to the same conclusion. (laughs) Okay. And it's one of those things I think is a conclusion based on the author being white as well as the book coming out in 2007. Yes. And so I thought starting from this place, it was pretty radical. This was an interracial relationship. Burke is black. And this is something that like when it first came up on my reread, I was like, oh no, I I don't really remember this. How is it going to play out? But I think the way that it played out was so smart because part of Jamie's struggle with Burke choosing to go through weight loss surgery is less that he's going to get thin. I mean, mm-hmm. she knows that's that's a thing that's going to happen. But as somebody who's consumed so much information about being fat and what different diets and surgeries can do to a person. She's so worried about losing him because black folks who have the surgery have the highest risk rates. And so this is something she's very upfront with him about. And she's like, I don't want to lose you. And I don't mean in the like relationship sense. She means in the way of like, I don't want you to die. Yeah. I thought that was both very powerful for the story itself, but also like thinking back on the time, like incredibly progressive yes <laughs> <laughs> to be discussing this so openly and talk like take race head on and be like look black folks get inferior medical care like that mm-hmm. is what it is and she just called it and as she saw it and as you know the evidence is there it's just mm-hmm. some people ignore that <laughs> sometimes and right. I don't know I really admired that being an important piece of the story. Like, yeah, it wasn't a huge piece of it, but like it was like, that was where her fear was, was coming from. Mm -hmm. And as we saw, like there are complications in this surgery. So I don't think that's a spoiler, but there are complications that come up and like the fear you feel for Jamie when she's like wrestling with this is, is part like, Oh no, I thought this was going to happen. And Oh no, I hope it doesn't continue to happen. Like, I don't know where to be in this weird space. And I thought it underscored her feelings so, so well, like just this idea, like the line of he'd rather be dead than fat. Mm -hmm. Just that whole like dynamic (laughs) was crazy to me. Like, laying out the risk factors and just, I don't know, having that line was so like powerful. And I think a lot of people can relate to it. But it also had me questioning, like, back then, weight loss surgery, we talked about slightly differently than we do now, like, or at least is how I remember it. I just remember it being so scary or seeing like mm-hmm. celebrities get it. And like, there were all of these like think pieces on, I don't know, cable news and stuff talking about, you know, the risks and stuff. And I don't know that I hear that anymore. No, I th- I think you're right. Because now that I'm thinking about it, I hear way less about the risk side of things and way more on the like, stories of, oh, they lost a lot of weight, like good for them, you know, yeah. and, and doesn't quite delve into the bigger challenges that surround weight loss surgery, which this book does. And 
I don't think it demonizes it. I think that Jamie comes to it with like real concerns and yeah. issues that are backed by science, but it's never a, oh, he's taking the easy way out or, you know, that message that comes across sometimes. And ultimately, again, I don't think this is a spoiler, but things between Jamie and Burke don't work out, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ever feel like it's based on this particular issue. Yeah, I totally agree. It's so much more like it's, I don't know. It's hard to watch. I like I come back to one of the lines he said to her, which this is, I guess, a little bit <laughs> spoilery. So, if, okay, it's a thirteen-year-old book. I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but when they're, you know, having this back and forth, and I feel like Jamie's trying so hard to be supportive, even though you know the first thought that comes to her mind might not be that supportive. She, you know, kind of swallows that down, and she's like, "No, I'm going to be here for him." and you know, she, I feel like she's really trying and you kind of see that over and over, like where she's putting aside all of her feelings and just like, no, I need to be here for Burke. Like I need to be, you know, a good supportive girlfriend and things like that. But he has this line where he tells her, he reassures her, like, don't worry, you'll, you'll lose the weight too. And you can bring those curves down to a manageable level. Mm. Oh mm. my God. I wanted to die. <laughs> but it, Yes, I think I had marked that line in the book because I was like, oh, that's such a like, ooh, a change of pace from how I've gotten to know Burke at this yeah. point. And I I almost felt, though, that that was very much the, this is a thing I did. This is the messaging I got. I'm repeating a thing I've heard over and over again, but I don't know if he necessarily believes it or like yeah. really feels that that's going to make her better or that she needs to do something like that. I agree. I don't think he was saying it thinking like, oh yeah, you'll you need to lose weight or anything. I I truly didn't get that sense. Like Burke seemed like such a good guy, really. Yeah. Yeah, and the re- the reason he wanted to have the surgery in the first place was for his health and that yes. place through because he he was an athlete and it was becoming more and more challenging for him to be fit and to yeah. perform the way that he wanted to. So it was not necessarily like this is the you know easy way to change my body, but rather like I've tried everything. This is a last resort to stay able to do the things that I want to do. Yeah, but it was like almost like it didn't matter kind of why he said it because I could see mm-hmm. that being one of those lines that you just play over and over in your head, mm-hmm. like yeah, forever. Oh, yeah. You know, you're asleep <laughs> ten years from now, and you're like, remember that time when? <laughs> yes, yes. It just had so much more of an impact, I think, than he meant it. Like, I really think it was just like a throwaway, trying to be reassuring, having a conversation in line for him. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But like, if I was Jamie, I think I would be like, oh, God, that's gonna stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so something that was interesting to me that kind of ties into this is, it's very, very clear how scared Jamie is throughout this entire thing and how worried she is about this boy that she just really cares about and yet I was cringing at some of the columns where she was like laying out his stuff and like what he was going through and I was like this is like so invasive of his privacy and I can't put up with this I know I kept thinking god I hope she talked to him about this it's so it's just so I don't know it's like taking a private thing and just like putting it all out there which she signed up for with her mm-hmm. column, but like she gets to control the level of what she's sharing. And 
Burke is just kind of like, you know, being supportive and like, I want you to get this scholarship kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I wondered if he was ever shocked by like how much she shared. Yeah, there were a lot of um, like the whole, I want to say middle of the book, her columns turn to talking about him and she, she calls him the fat boy because she refers to herself as the fat girl. And then there's this part where she starts answering reader questions about him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, Jamie. <laughs> I thought the same. I think this is a step too far. Like, and yet as I'm reading it, I'm like, she's doing it because she's so scared. And this is sort of her way of processing that. And yet, like, <laughs> without any awareness of how invasive it is for somebody to share somebody else's medical experience. Right. Well, it's almost like the columns become like they go from like the beginning, it starts out and they're these, they're really her manifesto. Like she says it, you know, she's got these ideas in mind. This is what she wants to communicate. She knows what she's doing. And then it sort of gets like all mixed up as she's dealing with this other thing that she wasn't expecting. It's like a curveball. And then it becomes almost like a journal in some way where she's like processing her own feelings through this writing, but just publicly, which <laughs> isn't always great. Exactly. And like the first, the first columns, I just, I was marking things and like noting things, you know, when you grow up fat and fat is a thing you care about deeply, like you learn so many of the different tropes and different social language around what the media in particular does to frame fat people, right? So like mm-hmm. she talks about the headless fatties phenomenon, like in an early section. And I was like, 2007, I think that was before the article even came out or right about the time the article came out that talked about this. And listeners who are like, what does that mean? It's whenever you watch the news and it's just pictures of people who are fat without their heads on them. So you see that, you know, you just see their bodies. They're eating, they're walking around, like living their lives. And yet without their faces, they're anonymous and it really sends the message of like, oh, that body is wrong without touching a person to it. It's awful. I hate, I hate that so much. (laughs) And she, she calls it pornography, which I think is brilliant because that's really like, I had never put it in that sort of terminology before, but the way she frames it is exactly spot on. Absolutely. I, I was like, oh my God, this is revolutionary. And it's literally 13 years old or however however many years old. And it's weird to read that now and still feel like that's like a very progressive way of looking at it, you know? Yes. And near the end, she has this other one when she steps back a little bit from talking about somebody else. (laughs) um, She talks about this thing. And I want to bring this up because I think this brings a big topic worth, worth digging into a bit. Oh, now I'm trying to find the exact line. But she talks about one of the issues that fat folks have is that even fat people hate fat people. Everyone does. It's called anti-fat bias. A study by the North American Association for the Study of Obesity found that people would rather give up half a year of life than be fat. Half of thousands of people asked in a survey agreed they would rather live a shorter amount of time thin than be fat. In fact, 15% said they'd give up 10 years or more of life to avoid obesity. That is now so horrid, so unacceptable that people would rather consciously choose to die younger rather than contend with obesity, hence the rise in an acceptance of dangerous obesity surgery for children. 
And then she says, hence the brave, scary choice of fat boy. Food for thought. Yes. As, as I was reading that, I, I had to pause. And I was so glad I was talking with you about this book because a couple months ago, and I do this every year, on my personal blog, I like to round up the YA books that feature fat girls on the cover because this is not regular. Like This has become a thing in the last five or so years that you see more body diversity on book covers. Mm-hmm. For example, my big fat manifesto, and I remember writing about this early on, the cover I have is ice cream on it. I know there's one with a high heel on it, but there's no covers that feature a fat girl. It's food or clothes. And if you look through like backlist uh, YA with fat girl protagonists, you'll see that over and over again. So I like to like highlight when you actually see somebody with a bigger body on a cover because... Hello, like, you know, what percentage of teenagers want somebody who looks like them on the cover? Every percentage of teenagers Exactly. Why are we writing these books that feature fat main characters that don't get to actually, like, be visible on the cover? (laughs) Right. And so I, I like to round these up. And this year, for the first time in a long time, I got a lot of pushback about this. Like, people saying, how dare you use the word fat? (laughs) <laughs> Why do you consider some of these girls fat when clearly they're average? Oh, which have... the caveat in the post is always because these girls are not the same size as all the stick thin girls on the cover. Yeah, like, yeah. And also fat is so objective in terms of like how you visualize it, right? Absolutely. And even within fat communities themselves, like I'm 14, 16. So I'm like low, small fat, right? Mm-hmm. I've been much bigger in my life. So I've been on that side of things too. And yet, like, I don't think I would be labeled necessarily a fat girl now as I would have 10 years ago when my body was much different. And it's just fascinating to me how much pushback there was this year about this language. And some of the comments came from folks who identified as fat but didn't use that word or said that they are in communities where they have teens who are also larger but don't feel comfortable using the word fat. So like what language do they use? And it like really got me thinking like, wow, there is a lot of fat hate even among fat people and so much discomfort in using the word to describe a body. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because I I do feel like I consciously chose to use the word fat Mm -hmm. with my book. Like I wanted it to be a big part of it. I personally call myself fat. I Mm -hmm. also have like, I've been fat my whole life and I've been, you know, so right now I'm probably like a 16, 18, but I've been, you know, a size 28 before I've Mm -hmm. been smaller. Like I, I think the, you know, like I've been all over. So, and at each of those intervals in my life, I was still fat. <laughs> like, I feel, like, so it, it's just interesting to like have this conversation and my, so where I'm coming from with the word is that I would just like to destigmatize it a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I grew up with the idea that the word fat is like an insult and we only ever use it. It's like, you know, the bad word, like the F word, it, this is another version mm-hmm. of it. And I hate that. Like, I I hated that growing up. Like, the word would just, like, it would make my cheeks hot. It would make me, like, I don't know, my skin crawl. I just, I hated that word so much. And it was so, it was, like, weaponized against me. You know, 
people think like they look at me and they know I'm fat and then it becomes a thing Mm -hmm. where it's it's so powerful when someone else uses it Mm -hmm. and so as I got older I started to like really dive into like the fat acceptance movement and I really honestly there was this community on live journal like I'm dating myself now um but (laughs) (laughs) it was called fat shinista and that was really like one of the big communities where I started to like normalize that word and make it part of my vocabulary. And I realized once I started using that, it didn't sting so much to hear that Mm -hmm. word. It didn't hurt like other people to say it, like they're going to say it. And so my Mm -hmm. thing is like, if, if I sort of desensitize my desensitize myself and I sort of reclaim that word, then it has less power. If that makes sense. Bingo. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And it's, when you are able to look at that word and be like, yeah, I am fat. Like that is a description for my body. Yes, <laughs> It doesn't have power for other people. It has power for you in a way that I personally don't think plus size has any power. Like I hate that phrase so yeah. much because plus size compared to what? Right. What is normal anyway? <laughs> right. And it's like normal in terms of sizes is this thing that's created by consumerism. And Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Like, I don't want to be defined by that because that's not who I am. And, you know, there's also like big bone. I'm like, no, my bones are pretty normal. It's just fat. (laughs) Um, Um, What are some of the other ones that come up? Curvy. Curvy. Oh, I hate that one. Curvy to me is also, it's a word that get. there's a lot of gatekeeping because if you are, you don't have a specific body type, where mm-hmm. like so when I was a size like 26, 28, like if I use the word curvy, I could guarantee that people would be like, you're not curvy, like you're just fat. And mm-hmm. so like, okay, well, that stinks. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and what defines curves and like, I don't know that I have so many feelings about that one too. Right. And there are plenty of very like naturally thin folks who are very curvy. Yeah. And like, so how does that compare then either? Like it's a, it's a shape. It's not a, you know, right. it's not fat. The other one that I hear obese, which I hate because it's so clinical and there's so much stigma with that one. Like yeah, unnecessarily so. And I, I, especially know for folks who find themselves labeled that way in medical situations. And it's a million times worse for folks of color Mm -hmm. than it is for me as a white person. Like the treatment you get in many medical settings is awful. Oh, it's terrible. Because you have that label. Yes. So like I technically, like I'm obese and also hate that word. I hate, hate, hate it. And it definitely has been used to like not give me treatment the way that like I deserve it. It almost mm-hmm. like takes it almost strips you of like all of your humanity and you're just walking into a doctor's office as obese. And right. <laughs> like that's all a doctor can see. Like this was especially prevalent when I was pregnant and I was going like this was literally a, a year and a half ago. So like not that long ago. And like we I had a doctor who just like couldn't see me as a person and just like immediately was like, oh, you are going to have diabetes. You're going to have this. You're going to like, right. And it was because I was, I'm obese and I'm also Puerto Rican. I'm brown. So it was like all these things that she like wasn't seeing a person in front of her. And so that, I mean, I don't know. That's why I hate that term is it's so, it's just so clinical and it like, it, it doesn't make it you is. human almost. 
Right. You know, it's it's funny. You just made me think. So I'm pregnant right now. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I struggled to get pregnant. And I've been so fortunate because the providers I've gone to have been great. And again, I'm white. So I know I've got that privilege going for me. But something that has been really messed up in my head is that um, I've gained like no weight. I'm 21 weeks as we record. So more than halfway through, I've gained like two or three pounds, which for larger folks is fine. Um, A lot of doctors don't want you to gain a whole lot of weight. Right. But it's so messed up because when I get weighed, I get excited that I haven't gained weight. And it's like, wait a minute. Like this is a time of my life that I should not be excited I'm not gaining weight. And like that comes through from going to doctor's offices over and over again and seeing your weight go up and like that ruins your whole day, right? Because that goes in your charts. And then, and so being in this like position where I'm celebrating that is wild. And it's, it it all goes back to things that we've talked about with just, you can be so proud of who you are and like accepting of who you are, but these messages get so terribly ingrained. And then the language that we use around it only amplifies that. Absolutely. And it is like, it's so hard not to absorb that. And I feel like in the book, Jamie has this whole scene about her going to the doctor and let me get Mm -hmm. to go with her. And like, if you are, you know, not fat, I like highly recommend reading even just this scene to get a sense of what it's like going to the doctor when you're fat. Like, this is Mm. not an exaggeration, in my opinion. Like, I've had doctor's visits that are horrible, and they're like this, where you're just, you're nothing to the medical professional in front of you unless you lose some weight. Mm Mm-hmm. And even then, like, suddenly all the actual problems you're having are still not problems because, you know, it'll go away if you lose 10 more percent of your body weight. And it's like, yeah, so you you go in for a broken thumb and the broken thumb is never treated. Exactly. Like I know I've gone in for like sinus issues before and they're like, well, if you just lose some weight, this will clear up. And it's like, it really won't. Can you just help me? Right. Like just give me a prescription to solve this problem and and we'll be on with our day. But it it's so different. And I'm glad you brought that scene up because there's also this moment in there where she talks about the doctor doesn't even ask if she's sexually active. Like, Like the assumption that because she is fat she is not in a relationship and not sexually active. Like, whoa, look at all the biases coming out. And and the way she captures it is just so like, you're right there with her. And also your heart shatters for her because you're like, you know, her voice from these columns, you know, her story, and you know, she's got this great boyfriend. And yet like this doctor just looks at her as the number on the page. And and that's it. it my heart just like broke for her. And it was just so real. Like I felt like I was transported to like when I was at the doctor and I did not like it. Mm-hmm. But also in that scene, she covers a lot of like, so I mean, the whole book, she talks about all of these things that when you are fat, you have to think about things differently. And one writer who talks about this a lot publicly is Roxanne Gay. Mm-hmm. Just this idea of like, yeah, I like, so in the doctor's office scene, she's like worried about sitting up on you know, the chair or the table that they have. And, you know, it's wobbly. And she's like, Oh, my God, am I gonna break this? And that sort of comes up a couple times throughout the book where it's like, when she goes to take her um, SATs or ACTs or whatever it is, she's she can't fit into the desk. 
And it's like chairs that have um, the arms on it are things she can't fit into. And those are like seemingly small things, but they're huge when you're the person who is fat and you're trying to just like exist. You're like, I just want to like nobody, I just want to be normal and just like go in and have nobody look at me. And I want to take my SAT and I just don't want it to be a thing, but it's suddenly a thing. It's a whole checklist you have to go through. And in the, I, I loved that particular scene with the SAT because it does what a lot of books that purport to be fat positive but are not fails to do in that it puts you right in her mindset and everything she's thinking. She's thinking, okay, sitting in those chairs with the arms is not going to be possible. And even if I did fit, it's not going to be comfortable. I have to make a choice here. Here's the choice I'm making. But so many of the books that I have read that fail to do this instead focus on the, she sits in the chair and it sinks beneath her weight. And it's like, that is not the same thing at all. Right. It's different. In the description, you get something very different. And and the way that it's put in Jamie's brain is like, oh, she's a person. She has to navigate all this stuff. Whereas in the, you know, sinking under the seat or the other one I see all the time is, Going into a dressing room and trying stuff on and getting stuck in the thing. Oh, and God. <laughs> whereas Jamie just drools over the shirt that she wishes she could fit in and knows that it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it's like it it brings up all those stereotypes that you're already so familiar with and removes you from the character and instead puts you in the like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before, you know? Like, yes. I loved those depictions because they were just part of what she was going through and you could just... I don't know, you like you already loved her, right? Like you love Jamie and like it felt like seeing a friend or something. You're like, oh my God, I I didn't realize what this friend of mine would go through. But I don't know. It just, I felt like so succinctly explained small things I think a lot of people don't put thought into like existing Mm -hmm. in this world. It put them right on the page and made them so clear. I really admired that. And I, I tried to do that a little bit in my book too and show like like there's this scene where Charlie is trying to like she goes to the gym and there's like this event that they're having and she's so excited and she's late and now she has to find a seat and it's on those mm-hmm. pull out bleachers that are in every wooded gym across the United States mm-hmm. and like the only seat that's available is like all the way up and in between all these people and she'll have to say excuse me a million times and mm-hmm. it's gonna be horrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it is right like it's so it stressful is. like you go through this in your head thinking is it easier if I just stand off to the side do I just go and say excuse me a bunch of times and like risk possibly putting myself out or bumping into someone or getting a dirty look like there's all of these things you have to think about when you're right. when and- you're fat. <laughs> And then also just this whole idea of like, even when she gets in the seat, she's going to have to make herself small. And like, we already know women have to make themselves small. We already know that people of color like have to make themselves small. This is just to fit in, right? And and so when you have all these intersections, plus your fat, like it's a, a physical shrinking. It's not just a metaphoric shrinking. Absolutely. It's heartbreaking, right? Like, for, yeah. for yourself, but also for Jamie, like it's like it's hard. And I feel like the more we can like put these realities into words or on a page or wherever, the better because it it like 
validates these experiences that, you know, fat girls and boys and non-binary, like fat people everywhere (laughs) just deal with, but they're like silent struggles in a way. Because I don't know, sometimes it's not easy to say, oh, I'm not going to be able to fit into that chair. Right. You know, (laughs) but like if it lets other people, like if a book can help raise awareness about that, it's something you don't have to vocalize and it sort of like takes the stigma away a little bit. It does. And I like to think, um, you know, these are not equal issues, but when you think about books that also depict living with disability Mm -hmm. and you read more and more of those and you see all the ways that like we as folks who are not disabled or who have authority and making spaces more accessible, suddenly you have a better idea of how to make things more accessible to as wide a range of people as possible. So when you see that folks in books and these struggles that they have, that's another moment of being able to pause and say, well, why can't we do this better? And when we're given the opportunity to do better, it's like, okay, why do our classrooms need to have those attached desks? They don't. A chair and a table. It's great. You know? Exactly. Everybody can, everyone wins that way. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's like all this stuff that like is seen as quote the standard and it's like the standard for who? Right. And why? What like <laughs> why is right. it standard? Why can't we change it? Who says? Right. It says more about like who's in charge than anyone else, I feel like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like we could talk about this for another hour, but we're coming up on like 45 good oh my minutes. God, that so. Went so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell anybody who wants a good story about a fat girl that is honest and bold and like wildly progressive for 2007 and still relevant today and tomorrow will be relevant as well. Um, Definitely go back and pick this one up. I don't know if Susan Vaught herself is fat or has had that experience, but if she did, it's very evident. If she didn't, she sure did her research on this one. Seriously. I feel like this book absolutely holds up, except for, like you said, there is some language in there and maybe some stuff about like anxiety and like taking anxiety Mm -hmm. meds that are a little dated, but everything else really, really holds up. And it really gets to the heart of what it's like to be, you know, a fat teen. And I feel like it also is, I know we talked about a lot of like the realities of being a fat person, but I found this book to also be super hopeful and Mm-hmm. You know, just this idea that like you can grow and learn as a person, even if you like you think you have it all together, there's always like a little more that you can sort of <laughs> teach yourself. Exactly. And I don't know, I would just honestly recommend this to everybody. <laughs> it's such a good book. And I love Jamie so much. Me too. I keep thinking like, you did some dumb things, but you're high schooler. Like, exactly. so- <laughs> you know? But at the end of the day, like girl, I want to hang out with you because you're so cool. <laughs> like she was so smart. She like had all this medical journal knowledge. I was like, oh my God, you're smarter than I am. I- <laughs> Great. Before we sign off, do you want to tell people a little bit about your book again or maybe like any parallels that you saw? I know you brought up a couple, um, but like I said, reading these back to back, I was like, this was an incredible experience. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, so Charlie Vega herself um, and Fat Chance Charlie Vega is also fat and she is trying to like, like Jamie, rec- like reclaim that word and just figure herself out and try to love herself and um, an added layer for Charlie's journey is this whole fat acceptance movement and like body positive movement and whatever that we sort of see on Instagram or 
TikTok or wherever you are. Um, <laughs> and body positivity, quote unquote, has become sort of mainstream in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she is really struggling with, as I think we all are, this idea that, you know, society tells you you should love yourself right as you are, but also here's all these cool weight loss products and all these beauty products and you could stand to lose a few pounds. Yep. So she's really straddling that line. And I find that so fascinating and interesting as someone who also experiences that, like is a person in this world, right? And so I just wanted to sort of bring that to light with this book and hope that I did a decent job. I think so. And I think too, you do a really great job of highlighting the extra challenges that are in front of people of color too, because Mm. body positivity as a movement is so white. And that's one of the big problems. Yes. (laughs) So I, I mean, a big part of Charlie is yes, she's fat, but she's also Puerto Rican. And what does Mm. that mean? And sort of how do all of those identities intersect with each other to create this experience, especially as she's growing up in this town that's overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly thin. And, you know, she really has a lot to go through to come to terms with herself and to find love for herself. But I like to think the book ends up being hopeful as well. Um, (laughs) I tried to do the whole fat girls deserve happily ever after (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of thing, um, just because I don't think we see that enough. No. Or if we do, it's after she's lost the weight. Yes, exactly. And there's there's no weight loss in your book. Not I mean, at all. Discussion-wise, well. there is, but not like active pursuing of weight loss. Exactly. Because you don't have to lose the weight. You're perfect just as you are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? If you decide that that's a thing that you want to do, like you have the power to do that. But Absolutely. Nobody, nobody has to tell you that. Nobody gets to tell you that. Like it's 100% a choice you make on your own. Right. It's your body. Do what you want with it. <laughs> Bingo. Well, I loved talking with you today. Oh Thank my you God. so much. Thank you. This was so fun. I feel like we could talk for seven hours. <laughs> right. I do too. Thank you to today's sponsor, TBR, for making the show possible. You could follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen and Crystal. Where can folks follow you and remind everyone about your book and when it comes out? Sure. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at Crystal Rote. And my website is also crystalrote.com. Wrote like past tense of writing. (laughs) And Fat Chance Charlie Vega is um, a young adult book. It is coming out February 2, 2021. And I am so excited. And I hope you guys like Charlie as much as I do. Thank you also to Jen Zink, our audio editor for making Hayway sound great. And to everybody, we will see you again next week. Hannah and I will be back for a full episode of the main podcast. Until then, happy reading. And I hope you've added at least two new books to your TBR. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.